they are not writing swashbuckling adventures like they <laughs> used to, nor are they writing swashbuckling adventures about the American slave trade. Um, and yet, Charles Johnson wrote the National Book Award winning novel, Middle Passage. It has now been adapted by Alicia Duncan and David Barr III and is being put on by Lifeline Theater. And in a star-making role as the lead character, Rutherford Calhoun, is Michael Morrow, a young actor that I worked with at the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, who just delivered this, oh my God, energetic and, 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 and adventurous and exciting and really moving lead performance in this massive novel adaptation. Why are you talking to me? Shouldn't you be going to take a nap or something? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm planning on going next door and getting a drink. That's there you go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 691, Michael Morrow's Passage. Michael Morrow is currently starring in the Lifeline Theater production of Middle Passage, an adaptation of Charles Johnson's National Book Award-winning novel written by Alicia Duncan and David Barr III and directed by Duncan. It's an epic production in a tiny space, and Mike is its epically strong and charming center, playing Rutherford Calhoun, a newly freed former slave in 1830s Illinois who journeys to New Orleans in search of opportunity and ends up on the crew of the Republic, an illegal slave ship with a cargo of captured Africans, a mutinous crew, and a fanatical captain. Michael is just two years out of the DePaul University BFA program, and he started our conversation by telling me how he got involved with this production of Middle Passage and Lifeline Theater in the first place. I received an email uh, from, from Alicia and from casting here mm -hmm. uh, at Lifeline, and it was an invitation to come in and, and audition for this part. And I read the script, and I was like, oh, my God, this is super lit. I was actually I was in Michigan. I was uh, doing a, a contract over Michigan Shakespeare Festival. All right. And I get this email, and I'm like, oh, snap, cool. I don't have a car. How do I get to Chicago? <laughs> uh, thank, thank goodness uh, uh, one of the, um, the ensemble members, who's actually uh, a member uh, here at Lifeline, uh, Rob Kosleric, he, he would drive back to Chicago every, uh, every weekend, uh -huh. and we would like sometimes just hop in the car and drive with him. So hop in the car, drive back to Chicago, come here, do the audition. A couple of days later, hop back in the car, go back to Michigan. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I, I, I got it. I did the call back the same day because, like, I, because of my schedule. Right. I couldn't right. You know, come back and forth from Michigan here every week. They'd be fools not to call you back right when they're there or even give you the part right when you're there. Oh, yeah. No, so, yeah, so I, uh, I, I did the, the call back there a couple weeks later, got the role. Yeah. And, and so it's a script that, that, that existed, and it's been, it was done previously in a previous Chicago production, I guess, three or four years ago. Um, but this feels, this feels really like a definitive production of it. I mean, the design is amazing. The design elements, the ensemble cast, the cast itself is so really well cast. I mean, in all, all the physical types, all the combinations of men to women and ra black to white. Did it change much in rehearsal? Did you, <laughs> did you find things that, I mean, did they? 
they tailor it, tailor the story? Were they still working on it, or was it set in stone? So one of the first times that we met was uh, to to read it, right? Yeah. Like we read to read it through, yeah. and um, since that first read through which was before our first rehearsal, and our first rehearsal was in, like, late December. Um, that first read-through was in, like, late November, I believe. Uh, the play in that month changed a lot, too. Really? Uh, and since even that, like, the first rehearsal, it changed a lot more. So the play during this rehearsal process has been evolving. Like, I remember we, we came after one weekend, came back, and we had about 30 pages of new script. You know, uh, mm. and that was, I mean, that's very common when you're dealing with an adaptation or like a, a new work. Like right. things are constantly changing right. to make sure this sounds right or this moment reads. And sometimes you might have to like, you know, kill, kill your babies. You might have to just like mm. kill a moment and or, or just write something out if it's not actually serving the, the full through line of the story. Yeah. But that happened a lot. But we, we found a way to, to kind of march through it. And I think that eventually the, the cast and Alicia found this definitive version. Sure. Well, and you and 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 you in the lead role of Rutherford Calhoun, there's a Dickensian element to it. You know, you're like David Copperfield. You are the narrator of your own story. Yeah. So you are driving this bus through. I mean, not just acting in the scenes, but carrying all the narration and taking us with you. That's different than acting. Yeah. You know, how did they know you were you could do that? Well, I have a a shit ton of Shakespeare on my resume. <laughs> uh, you, you keep in shit, right? I keep in shit and shit tons. Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> it's a very technical term, but I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> uh, all that Shakespeare I have on my resume, I think, kind of like tipped them off to me being able to do this because like a lot of Shakespeare is that direct address, right? Yeah. It is that direct address, and it's being able to paint the story with the words. Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of this show is. Like, it, a lot of me narrating this story isn't just like, and this is what happens on the day of the third. Here we go. I'm Rutherford Calhoun. Today is June, July. And it's, it's, not, it's not just like strict, like, it's not just exposition, right? I wish you had done it as a 1930s white radio <laughs> announcer. That would have been fun. Captain Falcon was more than just evil. He was the devil. Um, it, 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 a lot of this is like, it's the journal. Yeah, right? it's the yeah, log it's the journal, yeah. It, it is him recounting the events that have happened that I believe are the events that kind of uh, allowed him to understand the responsibility and the power of freedom. Yeah. And that power is the choice. Like we often like, that's a theme, like choosing and yeah. the choice. Like that is a very, um, that's a very powerful tool to be able to have to you. And when you are a person that has had the choice your choice uh, uh, restricted from you your entire life, when you first attain that power, you don't know what to use it for. You don't know that power and, 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 and what you can actually do with it. Because choices have consequences. Exactly. Yeah. Choices have consequences. And sometimes your choices, you don't get what you choose. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's taken from you again. But having that freedom to choose is then choosing to keep on using your choice for, for the best possible thing you know and I think that I think that's the beauty of this narration because he's kind of reliving his his own coming of age right and uh, the coming of age story yes it feels like a Huck Finn yeah. for the for the uh, 21st century and the 19th century story and there's a lot of there's a lot of comedy in it not as much as I would have preferred of course knowing <laughs> knowing, knowing me but um, there is a lot of comedy in it and you know to have a to have to have swashbuckling adventure and comedy in a story about 
the middle passage and the slave trade is is walking a lot of very fine tonal lines. Did you have problems or did you make discoveries in rehearsal about, ooh, we can't, we can't go this far or we've got to rein this in? Um, I mean, the violence was incredibly well executed. Um, you would talk to me about you know finding the balance in in rehearsal. So uh, the the author of the book actually saw the show. Charles Johnson nice. saw the show, and he 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 loved it, and he he said that it like kept true to the spirit of the book. And I think that that line that you're talking about, yeah. I think we might have been concerned with that at the very tip of rehearsal. But reading through the book and actually understanding the intent yeah. um, that the author had. This isn't that we're, we weren't changing this time period that much. You right. know what I mean? Right. Because and something that Charles Johnson said was that during during the uh, the like two hundred odd years of uh, slavery in the United States of America, every interaction you could possibly imagine that could happen with humans happened. Right. Right. And I think we often we often think of this time period as like this like um, as like people taking other people as cattle, which it was, right? Sure. But those people had names. Those people had a culture. Those people had roles. Those people had lives before European interaction. And this ship, the, even the people on the ship, those people had names. Those people had culture. Those people had lives outside of just being the people running the ship. And once you actually get into the, 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 the details of that, you start to understand these are seafarers, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing an illegal job because at this point it's, it's ill-gotten gains. That's right. They're doing an illegal job. The, the, the importation of them is illegal. Exactly. Yes. 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 Actually, going like going across the Middle Passage and yeah. taking people from uh, the uh, West Africa is actually like illegal at this point. Right. Um, they're doing this job, and they are they are seafarers. These yeah. are people who are yo ho yo ho matey folk. You know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> <laughs> these are them, and they um. And, and getting into the details of that and also getting into the details of Rutherford's story because no two, in the same way that being black is not a monolithic experience, right? No, being, being a slave in this country was also not a monolithic experience. Now, granted, he, he did not have his freedom, right. right? And that is why, you know, that is why when he finally gets his freedom, he, 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 go, he runs with it, right? But he... His slave experience was different than one that you would imagine. He was raised by a quote-unquote good master. His, yeah. his, his master uh, fed him well, he was clothed well, and he was taught more than many white men knew. He was, he was very, very educated. And I think, why, I, think, I, think, I think that's what's really good about the story is that it shows so many nuances to a time period that is often very generalized. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Uh, well, and I love that the 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 the, the novelist um, uh, Charles Johnson says a, a, a note in the program. He says, first and foremost, this story is at least for me a rousing sea adventure, yes. which it totally is. And it's a boy's coming of age, becoming a man, and having adventures. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like Treasure Island, but with a hell of a lot more at stake. Yeah. And it's got a wonderful Deus Ex Quackenbush. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I love Quackenbush. I love that. <laughs> My name is Samuel McClure-Taylor, founder of the Backroom Shakespeare Project, author of My Life with the Shakespeare Cult, and the forthcoming Blueprints for a Shakespeare Cult. 
and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. We'll perform Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, three times this month of March 2020, once at Washington and Jefferson College in Pennsylvania on March 19th, and then twice at our home away from home at the center stage in Rest of Virginia on March 21st. We'll have one more performance this spring of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged revised that's in Lynchburg Virginia on May 16th and we'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged twice in April at the University of Wisconsin in Whitewater on April 17th and the Fermilab in Batavia Illinois on April 18th and then we will kick off the summer with two weeks of performances of the complete history of comedy abridged at the Hartford Stage Company in Connecticut from June 11th to June 21st. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with Michael Morrow, currently playing Rutherford Calhoun in the Lifeline Theater production of Middle Passage here in Chicago. We worked together at Cincinnati Shakes. You yeah. you understudied uh, Orsino in I my did. production. I of actually Tor- I actually played Orsino like non understudied. I I at um, Midsummer I play, I would I did Twelfth Night at Midsummer Flight. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I was Orsino. Oh nice. Back in December. Oh nice. Oh fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um um. So we barely worked together then because I'm far too important a person to be working with of the course. understudies. Just you know. Mere, but a mere understudy. Yeah. yeah just yeah. just shivering in the shadow. <laughs> that is the colossus of your your stature. Damn, that's well said. Um, uh, it would be dis- I would be ungentlemanly to disagree with you. Um, but you went. Um, you but you went from Cincy Shakes to Michigan Shakes, where you where you had re- legit roles. Yeah, no, I was um, at, at Michigan Shakes. I uh, what did I do? I, we did. I did. I was in uh, Two Gents. I was in um, King Lear, and I was in Cyrano de Bergerac. Oh, yeah. Which, oh my God, that's totally great preparation for more swashbuckling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely the fights. Uh, uh, um, Jan Jan Blix. Uh, she directed uh, Cyrano, and she directed King Lear. So that was that was not a lot, not a lot of swashbuckling in King no. Lear, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in Cyrano, we 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 it would we had a I don't know how familiar you are with Cyrano, but there is a moment with Cyrano. I directed it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know when he goes out and he fights the 100 people. Yeah. So we had our one versus 100 fight, and we had. I staged it too. That's the only way to do it. Woo! Yeah. yeah. I loved it, and so there was a lot, a lot of like rapier dagger stuff. A lot of, a lot of like not. We didn't have a lot of swatch buck. Like we didn't have bucklers, but it was. Right. It was a lot of. Uh, but this is stuff that you got as part of your BFA training at DePaul. I yes, right. I, um, uh, I took stage combat um, at DePaul. Uh, we, we, we trained with rapier dagger. Um, we trained with hand to hand. The man who played Cyril de Bergerac at MSF's um, production, uh, his name is David Blixt. Fun fact, he taught me stage combat when I was in high school over, that, over at uh, Chicago High School for the Arts. 
Right? So I did broadsword over there, uh-huh. right? And quarterstaff and a little bit of hand to hand. So I've been I've been I've been doing this uh, this fight, this stage fighting stuff for a while. You that's <laughs> gr- but that's great. And you're a Chicago kid too. And so so that's my my other question because I tell I tell college kids and high school kids, you know, if you're going to do theater, come to Chicago first. Come to Chicago first. Yeah. So that's how you feel. Do you feel like Chicago's a place I mean, now, now I'm imagining you talking to other young actors listening to this. Do you feel like Chicago's a place you want to stay? Do you feel like, uh, uh, I got to go to New York to do real theater, uh, or I'm young and handsome, I got to go out to L.A. and try that out? What do we, what do we think? First of all, thank you for calling me young and handsome. <laughs> well, you got young anyway. <laughs> oh, well, handsome too. Let's not strike that from the record. Um, let them know. But I, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say real. I, I think that it depends on what you're looking for. Be, uh, Chicago is an awesome place. I, I grew up here, right? Yeah, right. Uh, me, of course, I want to like go out and explore and like like see more parts of the country, see other parts of the world, and see how to do theater out there because I've been here for twenty three years. <laughs> yeah. But um, I um, like. The storefront scene here is awesome, of course, and the large houses we have here are awesome. And if you are a young actor and you, uh, like, if you're not in equity, this is, like, the awesome, awesome place because you can, you can do a show at a large house and also still do the cool shows at the smaller houses and you can actually reach, like, a lot of different communities. Yeah. And I think that's what's really beautiful about this city is that there's a, a huge focus on outreach here and at the core of everything we do it's like how do we get this story out to as many people as possible and that's how I was weird like I, I was in the uh the youth ensemble at American uh, Theater Company when I was in high school under the late uh, PJ Paparelli and that was the way that he always taught us that he taught us the purpose of this isn't even like oh to like get the bow or the purpose isn't even to like do a good job the purpose is I'm telling a story for someone who can't tell their own story or for someone who doesn't have access to the story until they see this show and how do we get that experience out to as many people as possible That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Middle Passage, adapted from Charles Johnson's National Book Award-winning novel by Alicia Duncan and David Barr III, runs at the Lifeline Theater in Chicago until April 5th, 2020. Go to lifelinetheater.com for more information. Then send us your rousing adventure story via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener, and you can follow Michael at Tomorrow underscore Mike, and you can follow Lifeline Theater at Lifeline Theater. Thanks as always to Cabin Boy Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, and Music by John Weber and Garage Band. A random fan shout out this week goes to Tori Urquhart. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Anthony Kayer at Lifeline Theater for setting up this interview. Special thanks too to Samuel Taylor, the co founder of the Backroom Shakespeare Project and author of the three book Shakespeare cult series My Life With and the two volume Blueprints for a Shakespeare Cult. You can and should order them by going to to samuelmtaylor.com. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 691-2073s of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I think it's amazing that lesson that you learned and that you've brought it back full circle with this, this play, Middle Passage, telling a story that we don't get to see, we, I don't, we've rarely seen, but t- and also telling it in such a 
such an accessible, exciting, uh, rousing, see, adventure way. So, uh, Michael, thank you for playing Rutherford Calhoun and for uh, writing the novel it was based on and adapting it and directing it. Well done, sir. Oh, yeah, I did it all. Uh, I, I am a, uh, a demigod, as they say. No, I didn't. Don't, don't put that fucking curse on me. Don't put that on me. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.